on this episode of Why Oh Why. So exciting and literally sexy. Hearing someone call into an advice show. Hi, Dan. With a question about you. Five years ago, I met and spent the night with this really great guy. And dating a rock star when you're 18. We were like running to his apartment, giggling, we like hailed a taxi, you know, we're like, we were going right away to the bedroom. <laughs> Plus, I meet a nice guy at a bar. Were you drinking? And ask him to give me a review. The problem is not me, it's alcohol, sweetheart. Stay with us. My heart is beating, beating like a YOY Radio on WFMU. I'm Andrea Salenzi. You can join us live every Wednesday night, 7 to 8 p.m. after 7 Second Delay with Ken and Andy. No, Andrea is the new host. Wait, what? Hold on, wait, hold on. My world makes no sense. Have I landed on some bizarro planet? No, Andrea's doing... Andrea, our little protege? Yes, Andrea. The little girl that looks up to us? Like her two... Her two lost daddies? That little Andrea... Well, like her good daddy and her bad daddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Today's show, you think it's about you. On the TV show My So-Called Life, red-headed Angela, played by Claire Danes, visits the guy she's interested in during band practice. Huge events take place on this earth every day. Earthquakes, hurricanes, even glaciers move. So why couldn't you just look at me? Hey, you want to hear that song I was telling you about? He has long hair parted down the middle, and he's sitting on a stool looking down at his guitar. my god, this song is about me. She looks up at the ceiling, this big grin on her face. But it turns out, the song that's about his car, his red car. We all make this mistake sometimes. Sometimes I'll be walking down my street and I'll hear a group of kids laughing. And I am so sure they figured me out. They know that I am just not cool. Trapped in our own unique perspectives, 
it's so easy to assume that everything around you is exactly about you. But how do you tell if that assumption is a paranoid delusion or spot on? That's what happened to my friend Dustin Boyer. He co-founded a company called TacoCopter, stymied by government regulation. They're basically a taco delivery service powered by drones, not to be confused with Amazon. Of course, drones have nothing to do with what we're talking about today. Although one thing uh, that, that you might find entertaining is that there's one interesting thing that drones and sex have in common. Oh, yeah? Uh, which is that they are illegal when you pay for them. We met at Roberta's in Bushwick on dates with other people. I was there with my hacker friend who spotted dust at the bar and said, hey, that's Nub on Twitter. I didn't know that you were on a date. That's hilarious. I can't, Yeah, it was kind of a date. Um, I don't think we knew if it was a date or not, but it definitely turned into one. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. It turns out that he was on a date with a girl who we matched with on Tinder. We are both huge geeks when it comes to dating apps. It's actually, something I did last night was I was searching on OkCupid for certain podcasts that I like, and I started to mm-hmm. notice the trend of people writing GGG in their OkCupid profile, which is savage love code for... Good giving and game. Right. And you are a super fan of this podcast also. I've been actually listening to the podcast since the very first podcast. And I think it's up into like the 370s now. And so it's been, it's been going on for maybe four, five, six years, something like that. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony. I used to sit around and listen to it with uh, a long-term girlfriend that I had. And we would listen to every episode together. And, uh, and one of our favorite things to do was when somebody would call the, the show and say, oh my God, my boyfriend or my girlfriend wants me to do this weird thing and I don't know about it. We would try that thing after the podcast was over. Hi, Dan. I have a kind of complicated question. Um, I'm 35 and married to a great guy who has a fetish that's really kind of unusual as far as I know. His fetish is that he gets off on women getting hit by pies, you know, like in the movies and stuff. But it also, I mean, it also, I think, is a really valuable thing to do while listening to, while, while in a relationship with someone, if you listen to it together, because it, it can really easily open up a dialogue about anything that might be going on in the relationship that you don't realize. And um, I think that us listening to the podcast together every week as like a as a ritual really served as an opportunity for us to to heal and work together on things and and solve problems before they got big. I've called in and been featured on the podcast twice, and then uh, a few weeks ago, uh, t- something totally unexpected happened, which is that someone called in about me. What? How did you know it was you? You know, the first thing that happened is that this person sort of called in and described themselves. Hi, Dan. I'm 33. I'm in a happy, open marriage. We've been together for 14 years, and we have a two-year-old daughter. And I was like, oh, that's just like my friend so-and-so. Oh, my God. You're the younger man. I know this call. Yeah, I am a little bit younger than her. She described you in a really flattering way. Yeah, she did, actually. She's, uh, which is, 
I mean, is particularly impressive given how brilliant and beautiful she is. I mean, I was I was flattered. So she calls in uh, to the Savage Love cast, and she's like, you know, hi, Dan. Hi, Dan. Five years ago, I met and spent the night with this really charming, brilliant, cute, funny, great guy. You know, here she says some like very flattering things about me. We had an incredible chemistry, and uh, we sort of commenced this like hot and heavy phone relationship because we live on opposite sides of the country. We talk on the phone all the time. We hooked up a couple times. But he won't sleep with me. Pretty quickly, he said, you know, I can't have sex with you because I don't want to be, I'm not identifying with the polyamory thing. I don't want that. I want a real relationship. Because he doesn't want to be involved in my, like, open relationship. I said, fine. And we continued with this really great friendship. We had incredible amounts of fun together all the time. And then she was like, you know, uh, I'm not really sure how to handle this because we we met up uh, in a city the other night. Recently, we were in the same city and we met up, spent the night together, went on a crazy rampage. We went on a rampage and there were I love you's exchanged. Multiple I love you's were exchanged during the course of the night. And it was just super intense to find out that we both had sort of been burying the same thing for so long has been continuing on what seemed like a friendship tip for so long, but actually these feelings had, you know, remained for both of us and were really, really strong for both of us. And she said, you know, I had sort of given up on this because I thought that the, um, you know, the sort of physical element between us was over, but it seems like it's back and that it's something that we both feel really strongly about. Um, but he still says that he doesn't want to get involved with me because he wants to be in a serious relationship. He still maintains he's not, you know, he won't have sex with me. He doesn't want to get too deeply in love with me. He's burned through his way through many amazing girlfriends, um, you know, sort of implicitly or explicitly. He'll compare them to me sometimes. I don't want him to be unhappy. I don't want him to be alone. I don't know what I have to offer him, you know, because obviously I am going to stay partners. I'm going to stay, you know, uh, in my city on the East Coast. So, you know, do I need to cut him off? Is there some way that we can fit each other into our lives? And then she continues to say some more incredibly flattering things about, you know, my various prowesses and, and things of that nature. And, and I just want to figure out a way that we can both continue things. And, of course, I'd like to continue the physical side of things as well because it's really great for me and it's really hot and he's super kinky. And so then Dan answers her call, and he's like, first off... I can't believe, as someone in a poly relationship, you let him get away with saying that he didn't want a poly relationship, he wants a real relationship, as if poly relationships aren't real. Well, they're real, right? And Dan's incredibly characteristic, brilliant, and funny way sort of goes on to say, look, you know... Um, you know, you sort of have to let him have this choice. Uh, what he wants is an exclusive relationship. And his feelings for you are bringing him into conflict, a, a conflict that many people in romantic relationships, exclusive, monogamish, open, poly, find themselves in. The, the, you know, a conflict between what I want and or what I thought I wanted and what I'm willing to settle for or what I'm willing to agree to to be with person X. People can go into their dating and romantic lives saying, I want this, 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 and this, and I will not settle for anything else. And then they meet somebody who is not this, who's that, 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 and that, but they love that person. They have such strong feelings for that person that they reexamine their beliefs, misconceptions, prejudices, allegiances. 
to whatever it was, their preconceptions about what they thought they wanted. So let him sit with that. Let him make a free choice. Go to him and say, this is who I am. This is what we've got, you and I. Uh, I've got other stuff and you would have to wrap your head around being a part of sort of a larger, more loving circle, family than perhaps you imagined for yourself uh, when you were thinking about dating and romance, when you thought what you wanted was a sexually exclusive or emotionally exclusive relationship. Maybe you're capable of more. Maybe I'm worth you expanding your views uh, about what is possible in a loving, committed relationship. But yeah, at the end of the day, you're going to have to let him make his own decision. And then let him make the choice. It's his choice to make. You don't have to make it for him. Did she know you're a listener? Oh yeah, it's. I mean, um, I'm not saying this in a in a in a bad or judgmental way at all. But she knows that I love the the Savage Love cast, and she knows that I heard the call. Um, Whoa, that's and kind, so I feel like I the, think yeah. I think it was kind of a passive aggressive move a little bit because mm-hmm. she wanted to say this stuff to me, but maybe she didn't. I maybe passive aggressive isn't the right word. I think that she wanted to say all these things to me but maybe didn't want to say it directly to my face and that it would be easier to uh, say it on a podcast that she knew I listened to. And then I think she was also gambling that Dan Savage would say that I should change my mind and actually get with her. And I, I think that she probably wasn't expecting him to say that it was ultimately my choice. Wow. That is so complicated. Right. I, the closest thing I can think of is when you want to get back together with someone, but instead of just saying, hey, let's get a drink, you accidentally text them <laughs> or you accidentally call them like, oh, sorry. I was and it's and you make sure it's something that's really flattering about you. Like, yeah, I'd love to hang out. but I just have so much going on. Ah, wrong, Dustin. Sorry. Ugh. <laughs> you know, How have I you got been? invited to um, a furry convention that way. Oh, did, One. did I hear you right? A... Yeah. Have you ever been to a furry convention? The answer is not yet. And we're going to save that whole idea for another show. What What's the conclusion to this, to the open relationship dating? You know, where, where are you at if you had to, if you had to issue a response right now? Uh, yeah, I, I think that open relationships are awesome. I'm, stoked for everybody that can make any sort of love work but uh, I think that I really want to date someone that is already married it just doesn't like in the situation where I'm at right now it doesn't make sense for me and I should be focusing on finding a primary partner myself and if that situation makes sense and that primary partner is okay with A me having secondary partners and B having that particular secondary partner, then maybe we can talk about that at some point in the future. But until then, it's off the table. You can follow Dustin at Nub on Twitter. That's N-U-B.
Now, that story left me in need of some more interpretation. So I called up my friend from college, Hollywood. She's a dating advice expert and is actually working on her master's dissertation in sociology, looking specifically at singlehood. Dating isn't a traditional academic study, and she says her colleagues find it both fascinating and mystifying. I try to say, like, it's a life course now. It's a period of the life course. It never used to be because people literally were getting married at 22, 23. There wasn't really a life course component to dating. It was something you did very, 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 like, briefly um, before you married somebody. Now it stretches out for a decade for most people. I asked Holly what she thought of Dustin's story. Sounds like this was her last-ditch effort to convince him that being her secondary relationship is still a good thing. And a secondary relationship is, at least in the context of rankings, right, less important and less of a priority um, than her primary relationship. So it's basically a guy that, especially since they live on different coastlines, is someone she sees, like, less frequently, um, probably less worried about his day-to-day concerns, um, can't make his problems her priority because she already has a priority. And something I say all the time is there's no chance to ever share rent. I guess I think about romance in terms of when can I share rent with someone (laughs) and dog walking and just life. Like life is is more challenging as a single person in, in my view sometimes, so... Oh, I agree with you. I, I mean, it sounds like uh, your your friend Dustin. I mean, it sounds similar. He's been in a long-term relationship before. He understands that there's little daily minutia that is just made better by having a, a person in your life, like a, a teammate. Um, and she seems to take her teammate for granted. Like, she has that in her life, and she's looking for something extra. He's looking for that basic foundation relationship. And he realizes that being her secondary might even get in the way of him finding that primary. I think it's, yeah, when we talk about polyamory and we talk about dating and we talk about, I mean, everybody wants to talk about the sex, right? Everybody thinks sex is so exciting and literally sexy. Uh, But a, a big part of this component is exactly what your caller, Dustin, was talking about, was life is really hard for the single person. And you can interpret what, you know, even someone you think is awesome wanting you as their secondary, it can still hurt. You think it's flattering. A lot of people would think it's flattering. Um, but it's it's basically being offered a consolation prize if what you really want is what you're talking about, which is this, like, long-term committed partnership with somebody who you can rely on as your rock. Kaylee is the host of Beast in the Airwaves on WFMU. She was 15 when she started that show and was our youngest DJ ever on the station. And I was shocked to learn that after all these years working in radio, she still dates musicians. Even though after every single time I'm like, and I will never date a musician again. It always happens. It always does. For the sake of avoiding drama, we've changed the names of the band and the individuals in this story. The story begins when she was 18, 
and met a guy named Rivers from the band Sea Creatures. Again, those are totally made-up names. You know, he was really young-looking and had, like, a cool hairdo and, like, wore, you know, his clothes in, like, a not-offensive way. Like, they were totally, he was totally cute and awesome, just like what I needed at that point. He wore, like, ironic shirts. It was great. I also figured out that he spoke Japanese and had worked in Japan, and I was like, that's great, because so, I, I mean, I speak Japanese, and it's my dream to be involved in Japan, so this is awesome. And I assumed he was, like, probably in his early to mid-20s, which was totally fine with me at 18. I didn't really care. We go on a date to uh, Monster Island, which is this awesome venue that does not exist anymore, to see a show. And um, it went, you know, it went great, whatever. Then we went on another one to another show at Death by Audio in Williamsburg, and that totally sealed the deal. We were, like, running to his apartment, giggling, like, hailed a taxi, you know, we're like, we were going right away to the bedroom! (laughs) It was great, it was so fun, you know, whatever. I had gone home with him twice at the point where I realized that he had a three-year-old daughter. He was 32. And he had an ex-wife who I don't think he was technically divorced from. I think they were separated and kind of split up the time with their daughter. And he also referred to her as the baby mama. One day, uh, I came to one of their shows and he was very distant with me. The band is, like, I was friends with them. So the fact that they were all kind of weird with me was weird. And he gave me like this sit down like he like came up to me after they played and he was just like listen like I don't know like you're kind of young and like you're really cute but like I don't know like I think you kind of like have to grow up and move on and I was like excuse me (laughs) it's like the worst thing you could have possibly said is to tell me to grow up when you're 32 and have a child and an ex-wife and you're doing things with an 18-year-old girl that you met. (laughs) I texted him so much. Wow, like a lot. To me, it was him having like a jerky moment that was like not valid to me. Like I was just like, well, you're wrong, duh. (laughs) I wanted to continue having fun and boosting my self-esteem by being with this cool rock star dude. Also, this is a pre their session on my show. They had actually recorded a live session on my show in 2011. So, of course, he had to be nice to me. He could not make me angry because then his band was not getting exposure or WFMU. I currently have some of our um, no. Facebook convos. No. <laughs> I do. I still have them in my face because thanks to Facebook, I can go back into this horrible history and see how things sort of unfolded. I, I sent him like, hey, he's like, what's up? No punctuation, which is totally vague. <laughs> and we weren't messaging from our phones at that point. Yeah. No, this is like typing on a computer. And um, and I said, I have a few things to tell you. So I would appreciate if you gave me a call. Because I had a lot of feels, and I needed to have a professional conversation with him about them. You know, it was like 40 minutes, and then it, I sent him 
so we can still make out, right? Because we had just had a conversation about how he was feeling uneasy about the age, and then he took it back and said, never mind, maybe I'll see you sometime soon, being very vague and, like, weird, like musicians like to be. <laughs> they like to be very vague about the, who they are and what they feel about things. And then he said, get me drunk and find out, smiley face, haha. I had been getting, like, you know, Facebook suggestions, like, you might know Courtney Kay. And I was like, who's Courtney Kay? And he was like, the baby mama. And I was like, oh, she's really cute. And he goes, she's all yours. But no, really, be very careful and stay away from her. She knows who you are. Dot, dot, dot. She became fully aware of the situation, and she then threatened me through me and my mother. She also contacted me through my mother to be like, your daughter, better stay away from my family. She was going to tear my expletive face off. She was going to tear my effing face off. They came out with this album in uh, June of 2012, and one of the songs was sang, it was the only song on the whole album that is sang by Rivers, who is usually not the singer, he's usually just the bass player. And this song came out and I really liked it, but it made me sad immediately because I was like, this is about our situation. <laughs> um, and it's called Choose to Lose. Maybe I could be your future, most likely just a friend. It probably wasn't even written during the same time. It was probably written before he even knew who I was, but I was so emotional that hearing this, him sing these words made me so upset. And I was like, this is what he thinks about us. You did need to get it together. (laughs) I did. I needed to get it together. I needed to... uh, That's when I grew up a little bit. Through this situation, I learned how to be a more chill person who kind of steps back and looks at what's happening before I jump into things.
This show is brand new, and I'm really interested in kind of a new type of storytelling where I blur my life with the radio, and it gets weird. So I've been going to bars, and I've been recording myself at these bars, hoping to meet people. The problem is that my microphones just sound terrible when I record myself. Like, up until now, have you guys ever had, like, a defining moment as friends? And uh, so I'm trying something new. Last weekend, I met a guy in Park Slope, and we had a connection. So I left him my number, and I've somehow convinced him to join me on the show to get to know me better and kind of give me a review what it was like to meet me and would he like to see me again. So this is the conversation. Now, I have to let you know that this did not go how I expected it to go. Yeah, it didn't. um, But you'll hear that. Anyways, here's me. Hello? Hey, it's Andrea. Hi. Yeah, I really appreciate you making the time to do this. I know it's the weirdest request in the world. I Yeah, I never got one like this before. <laughs> but I I just want you to know that I would have wanted to talk to you whether or not this was for the show. I you know, I felt something. Yeah, it was it was nice. I don't usually go to that bar, but um not really my type of place, but I had a really fun time talking with you. What's your kind of place? I don't know. I mean, um not as noisy, but yeah, That's crazy music. No, Those yeah, noisy bars are the worst. There's like this problem where every bar just gets so noisy. I really think that we could improve on the sound design of bars or something. I agree. I yeah. think it's a major problem. And half of what I was saying and you were saying, I, I didn't hear. So it's good that we get to connect. So you're in, um, you work for NPR? Um, well, it's not exactly NPR. It's, you know, we're a community radio station in Jersey City called WFMU. Is this like a liberal type? No, no. Well, well yeah. Yeah. I mean, not politically, just like we're hippies and we do not like NPR. No, I hate NPR. I I don't really listen to it. I just don't agree with them. But, you know, teach his own. What what do you do again? I work at Quiznos uh, in their copy department. Um, If you see a funny sign in a Quiznos, it was probably written by me. Um, I'll give you an example. Uh, Quiznos. More nicey, more spicy. <laughs> that was mine. I just advertising so interesting to me. That's so cool. Yeah, and then um, quiz no, quiz yes, and, and there's just a question mark after each of those. I we know just, the yeah. quiz no, quiz no, yes guy. This is amazing. I can't believe I yeah, met you. <laughs> that was me. I created. I didn't get any extra money because it's my day job, but that was me. Congrats! That's so cool. I never yep. thought I'd meet the Quiznos guy. That's me, yep. You know, because I'm doing this new kind of a show, I really I really am looking to meet someone, and I think that if it if it happened through this program, I'm really open to that. But also, it's just it's great that you're willing to kind of get to know me in this weird format. And I was curious, this was the, my idea for the segment, like, could you give me a review as a girl you met? Kind of like, mm-hmm. how was my appearance? How was, how was my wit? Like... What did you think of me, I guess? Um, I, I give you a B. I give you a B. Solid B. Um, I, I thought you were fine. I thought you were overeager. I thought um, you couldn't handle your out. Were you drinking? 
I just had like one drink. You were really, really lippy. I mean, you were talking and talking, yip, 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 yapping, and it sort of put me off, to be honest. I don't really like anyone who's too forward, especially a woman, but I thought you had some interesting, I didn't agree with them, but you had some interesting views on, you know, the environment and politics and all that stuff, but I thought you were fine. I thought you smelled nice. Oh, yeah. What did I What did I smell like? Well, I'm from Maryland. I'm from Southern Maryland. And my grandmother, my meemaw, has a farm down there. Used to. She died. But she had a, uh, you know, it's hard to explain, but I used to go as a kid. And the smell of hay will bring me back to those days. Not like petting zoo hay, but clean hay. And you had a very clean, uh, rural smell to you. That's a compliment. That, okay. That's not. That's not a put down. That, it was like like being outside on a on a beautiful spring day, in Maryland. Yeah, don't take those the wrong way, please. I thought you you smelled really nice, but I mean beyond that, you were very attractive, for someone of your size. I thought you were. Um, you someone were, of my um, size. It's kind of stumpy. You know, I'm six foot two. How, how tall? How tall are you? Yeah, I'm five two. Yeah. But, I mean, you held it well. Um, you know, some short people um, are look dumpy, but I thought you looked um, pretty good. But here's the thing, too. You were sitting down, so I couldn't really see your legs. They looked okay, and I liked the stockings you were wearing and your shoes, if I remember. Um, that's about all I remember. Here's the thing. I'm not from New York, and I, I like to tell it like it is. And, um, I'm, uh, you know, I, I've been dealing with... New York women for about 10 years had some luck, not too much luck. But I'm guessing more of the not luck than the luck side. Just, prob- just throwing well, that right, out there. Probably. Yeah, just, just a um, guess. I, I don't know where that's coming from. But li- here's the thing. I mean, I think for, in order for you guys to really excel, I think you just need to shut your, lo- your lips because it's just like a flippity-flappity. It doesn't end. It's, it's just on and on and on. It's like a white noise machine. It drives me nuts. Oh, listeners, I wish you could have seen the look on my face at this point in the interview. But, yeah, it gets worse. What do you watch? What shows do you watch? Yeah, I'm a big fan of HBO's Girls. I really love them. Jesus. All right. What? What? Is it? Is Alina Dunham? You don't like her? She's She's not beautiful? She's not, like, traditionally beautiful enough for you? What? Like, what? Well, no, she's ugly. But the other thing is, I mean, she's a total... She um, is not ugly. Well, let me just say this. She ain't slamming, all right? You can't we'll argue just, with We'll that. just disagree. We'll just disagree. I think she's very... I think she's really beautiful. Ugh. All right. But beyond that, I mean, you know, she has these women running around, these 20-somethings um, acting like a bunch of Jezebel whores, just running around doing their own thing, um, leading to God knows what. That's the thing. It, you know, the ramifications are never on the show. It's just... Hey, let's let's go out there and get you know sleep with someone strange and then. Yeah, I know someone needs to call their fathers. Yeah, I I don't think that's a bad idea. I mean, you know, women used to get married at twenty-two. They're all out there loose, like a bunch of wild mares running across the, the, the savannah, and and then by the time you get to them, I'm thirty-eight. So by the time you get to them, they're all grizzled from alcohol and drugs. They slept with 50 guys. 
uh, it's like buying a, a, something used from a stoop sale or something. Um, it always has a nick in it. You know those things you buy at stoop sales that have nicks in it or scratches? Uh, that's the type of woman I've been dating. That's the only type of woman you can find in New York. And if they're too young, they don't want to go out with you if you're 38. Now, I don't feel completely right about how long this interview is going to go on. Anyone in their right mind would have hung up a really long time ago and just scrapped this segment entirely. But that might be my worst quality, that I am willing to do things for the radio show, and uh, and I'm sorry. I just don't want you to think that my interest in him wasn't authentic from the start. He is really, really handsome. In that way that men get more good-looking as they get older, he has that. And it's in this, like, scruffy movie star way. He is just really good-looking. Um Plus, Andy's been telling me that I need to date a comedy writer, and this guy, I remembered him saying he wrote, like, he was a comedy writer, but I just didn't realize that it was for sandwiches, not for television. And I might have been a little drunk. So, okay, let's go on. But what I was going to say was, I didn't finish what I was saying at the bar, is that the um, charges never went through. Um, I was telling you that I, someone took a photo of me on the subway. Remember me telling you that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was pissed off. You know, who was someone to take a photo of me? And this woman claimed that I was exposing myself, um, which is bizarre because she was about 70 years old. How she took a picture, I have no idea. She was also handicapped, which was even more bizarre. Um, but she said I was exposing my genitals, which is ridiculous. What I was telling you uh, was that I was hiking up my pants, tucking them in, to my um, pleated shorts, and um, what she saw, I have no idea. I wasn't looking down there. But anyway, that never went through. But that did cause a problem for a while, and it was why I was sort of keeping a low profile in the bar. That, may, that makes sense. I'm really sorry I had to go through that. It's You know, it's just a scary time with privacy and cell phone well, cameras. It was a horrible time. I mean, yeah. the landlady caught wind of it, um, Luckily, the people did not catch wind of it. And actually, I wouldn't mind if you deleted that part out. I don't want them to know where I work. But, um, yeah, it was terrible. And I had to move. I was living in Murray Hill area, um, and I had to move uptown. I had to move Upper West Side, crappy apartment, horrible area, hmm. and uh, just sort of lying low for a while. But, I'm, you know, I would like, if, if you wanted to... Um, do something fun, like things you wouldn't normally do in New York. Um, so I thought I, w- I would take you out for that. But you were getting, uh, you seemed like you were a little upset before. Were you upset with me? Yeah, I was. Um, Are you still upset? Yeah, of course. Really? I, but Why I would love to, you know, I'd love to change could, your mind about listen. this stuff. I'd love to show you just like that a woman can express herself and that this is okay. And they can, but, I, but so I'm annoying. not going to change. I mean, look, I'm not from New York. I'm from Maryland. And, you know, women in Maryland are not, you know, they just, they say what they need to say, and then they shut up and they listen, and that's it. But, I mean, in New York, Jesus, I mean, if you don't tell them to stop it, it's on and on and on. Now, at this point, I saw we had some common ground in our dating lives. So I offered to help him out using this show. And from his desk at Quiznos headquarters he pulled up his online personal ad and read it for me yeah just 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 give me an ad right now just um well, I'll give you the one, I'll give you the one is... that's on nerve.com okay 
Okay, that's great. All right. It starts off and it says, I'm tired of it all. And then that's, that's an uppercase. And it's like, where in the hell are the normal, normal ones? Cause, and then that was in lowercase or, you know. Okay. I'm just going to assume the rest is lowercase going forward. Okay. And then it says, um, pre-40-ish uh, Marylander looking for a normal lady. Favorite musical is Barnum. You ever see Barnum? No. That's about um, P.T. Barnum. Um, and then I say, you know, musicals, uh, romantic drinks by the water, uh, long walks hand-in-hand hand along a beach. Um, I like to play foosball. That's in there. Um, looking for, to settle down. Um, been married twice, recently separated. Um, so, you know, three's the charm. And then I end with quiz yes. So that's a little bit of code. Um, and a little bit, they're going to be wondering what, what that's about. And then I'm hoping they're going to call me and I'll say, I came up with the quiz. No, quiz yes. That was me. Um, so that's the way that reads. That's great. I think that that's going to work for you. I really do. Well, it has worked for me, I'll tell you, because I've gotten quite a few dates on Nerve.com. And the women on Nerve.com are not your average, um, you know, locked up, prissy, prissy mamas. They're willing to do things that others aren't. Are you willing to do uh, things others aren't? No. Not for you. What are you willing to do? No, no. We're not not doing this. Okay. Um, Another thing I do like, um, which is not mentioned in the Nerve advertisements, I do like role play. Uh, Like uh, Dungeons and Dragons something? No, no, no. uh, Sexual role play. Oh, okay. I'm into um, 18th century. Um, Do you know the guy who hunted down Jack the Ripper? No. Um, His name was Dr. Leon. Um, anyway, I'm really into late 19th century, um, London, foggy night, looking for the bad guy sort of role. So in that role, a woman would be, would play a prostitute, 19th century prostitute. And I would be the guy who doesn't sleep with them, but goes around saying, Hey, have you seen this guy? And I would hold up a sign, a picture of what I thought Jack the Ripper looked like. Have you seen this guy? And she would say something like, no. And I would say, all right, well, if you do, uh, you know where to come because I'm looking out for your best interest. Now, I'm not saying sex can't happen, but I'm not necessarily there for the sex. I'm there to help them. But you're, you're Jack the Ripper all along? Is that where this goes? I'm not Jack the Ripper. I'm the guy who, who finds Jack the Ripper. But see, that seems like the best way to be Jack the Ripper is to be the guy looking. Yeah. But, um, I have theories on Jack the Ripper that no one has heard before, and I'm going to write a book about who I think Jack the Ripper was. Can't wait. That's Do you want to know who he is? Yeah, no, tell me. I, I must know right now. All right, his name was Tony Beagle. Okay. He, he was a little-known politician in Britain at this time. He was for the Tory party. He, was, he dabbled in medicine. And he was into the black black arts, black magic. Never been written about. His diary was found um, 
about five years ago, and I, through a process I can't get into, got a copy of this diary, and I'm working with a guy who bought the diary. I think it's going to blow this whole thing wide open. Are we role-playing right now? I can't really tell. Uh, no, I mean, unless you mean uh, annoying woman, smart guy, telling uh, telling it like it is. Do you want to go get, um, if not a drink, how about before Christmas? Are you leaving for Christmas? I just don't see this working. I don't, you know, I really got excited when we met, and I saw well, that you posted, I? I saw you posted something on Facebook about meeting someone special, and I just, well, I'm you really what, disappointed. What I, wrote, I kind I, of I saw. Meet someone who has a good sense of humor, doesn't mind staying in once in a while, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that was catnip. You know, catnip for, for, the, for the kitty cats. And it's not like I don't believe it, but that's what draws women in. That's, that's uh, fly your honey right there. So I, did, I, I sort of stress that, but I leave out some other aspects. But I, didn't, I don't think that has to be a game changer, the way I feel about politics or whatever. I mean, you know, you see James Carville and his wife totally on opposite sides of the political spectrum. They've been married for 20 years, and happily. So. You said that right? thing on Facebook, and I thought it was about me. And What was it? Oh, I think the thing I said about... I met a special woman last night. I think this could be the one, that sort of thing. Yeah, it was really manipulative. It wasn't manipulative. I wasn't trying to manipulate you. I, I genuinely meant it. I thought this time is for real. Um, and I imagined that we had a lot going on, a lot of similarities. Um, and I really did think it was a one. I can see now that it isn't, but at that time I did. I ultimately turned down his dating offers, but we're going to stay in touch. Randy, I think we all want you to be a regular guest here. Uh, I can call you again, though, right? Yeah, you can call me. Just uh, give me some notice. I don't want to do this again at Quiznos, um, but uh, I, I'll be happy to talk to you. Okay, great. You sure you don't want to go out, though? I think uh, I think it could work. No, I think I think you can do way better. I'm just, you know, I'm yappy, I'm demanding, I'm stumpy. Okay. You know, I'm liberal. Right. I'm going to just annoy, I'm just going to annoy the crap out of you. So we, all right, all right. You can Bye. do better, and I want to hear about your quest to do better. So we're going to call you in a future right. week, okay? Well, you'll hear about it, believe me. Okay. Bye. All right, take care, Allison. Bye. Andrea. Bye. It's, it's Andrea. Bye. game oh no problem i i don't care about either of the teams <laughs> playing i'm gonna pretend like i know what i'm talking about uh it's the dallas cowboys and the chicago bears and it's really cold there uh it's like seven degrees i think or something and all the players are like standing near the the heaters and their water bottles are freezing so they have to like hold the water bottle near the heaters before they can open them and drink them so yeah miserable but yeah the bears are winning that was the, that was the detail that made me care about sports. There Thank you, go. you for it. No problem. <laughs> um, so I, I've been telling you a bit about what this week's show's about, and this week we've been talking about whether or not something's about you. And I had an instance recently where I was pretty sure something was about me, but I was also really just paranoid that I'm very self-absorbed, and that's what where this was coming from. But luckily, my roommate agreed with me. This is Rose. Hi, I'm Rose. 
So you remember when I dated that reporter guy, right? I do. I do remember that. I was really unhappy then, right? Yeah, no, it was not good. It was not good. You were always worried about whether he was going to get in touch with you. And then when he didn't, you were unhappy. But then when he did, you were also unhappy. And it was just not good. And you had, and I had like weird amnesia. I would like forget that he had ever not texted me the moment he started texting again. Right. And then all of a sudden it was like all the things that you had done wrong because he hadn't texted you. And then maybe you had like gone too far, made a joke that was bad instead of him just being like kind of awful. Um, so he recently did a report because he's a reporter about this dating app called Lulu. Now, for those who aren't familiar with Lulu, how would you explain it? I guess Lulu, the way that everyone talks about it is like Yelp, but for dating. And it's only for women to review men. Uh, so you can leave reviews, you answer questions about how the person was in bed or how, whether they called you back or whether they were funny. And then you can pick from these like weird pre-selected hashtags like drinks the haterade. And like many of them, I don't even know what they mean. But like you can categorize somebody by these hashtags and they get a, like an overall review. Um, do we like Lulu? What, did, what was your impression of it when you opened it up? When I first, so the reason I opened it was a friend of mine asked me if I could look up his reviews. Um, and I had actually never heard of this app before. And so I said, yes. I was like, sure, I'll look up your reviews. And, um, and so I, I looked through it and it's weird. At first, I thought that it was bad. At first, I was like trying to imagine if I was a dude and there was an app that where people could review me, I would not be into it. And then I was thinking about it and like, it's not like, you know, we haven't told our friends whether the dudes we're dating are good kissers or not. So like everyone, like we all, we talk. So it's just that now we're doing it on the internet with weird hashtags. The other thing, and then I, the, the, the second reaction was that I wanted to find all the people I had ever dated or was friends with. And I think most of my friends are like older than the demographic that usually uses Lulu, which is apparently mostly undergraduate women. Um, so most of the people that I know don't have reviews, but the people that I know that do have reviews are very funny. And like one of them, my friend George has a review and uh, it says that he has baby blue eyes, but his eyes are definitely brown. <laughs> so like, I don't really know what's going on there. Um, but yeah, I think in general, I'm into it. And now I want to like friend all of my ex-boyfriends, even though like they're not, they don't want to be friends with me. I don't think on Facebook. Because <laughs> otherwise, how would we check? Yeah, because you can only actually check someone if, yeah, if you're Facebook friends with them, because it syncs up with Facebook. And that's how all these guys suddenly have profiles within the app. Um. Did you find, so what did, did your friend have good reviews other than the baby blue eyes? Yeah, they were generally positive reviews. One of them was just inaccurate in the color of his eyes, but they weren't bad. I mean, they were, I mean, the hashtags are like generally, even the negative ones are like kind of playfully negative. And so I don't, there aren't very many that I remember that were like straight up, like get out of here, don't date this person. There were a couple that were like, um, like man child or like isn't grown up or like self-absorbed and stuff like that but none of them were like this man will murder you or anything like that like so there's no like you can't really get super negative on them and he had I think people thought he was funny and nice which he is so yeah mm. um so in this reporter guy's story about Lulu he was telling the subject of his interview that he was very concerned that there were negative reviews out there about him because within the past number of months he had kind of recently dated someone who he described as digital and vindictive. And then he tried to take vindictive back, but he didn't really take the word vindictive back. Am I vindictive? I mean, I don't think I've ever crossed you that badly. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, no, I don't think so. Not that I know of. But it felt like it was about me. Like the time frame lined up, the tone of his concern. It just had this feeling as I listened to it where I felt like, oh man, he, this is, 
this is me that he's afraid of. That does not, that would, I, if I had to pick hashtags for you, that would not be one of them. But the other thing I was thinking about is that like, one of the reasons he was kind of awful was that he had like a lot of lady friends that were going on and like it was never totally clear whether or not you were like priority number one, which you usually seem to not be. So like, it's possible that he just happens to have, like this. he's talking about someone else. But my first, I mean, I also don't know any of his other lady friends. So my first reaction was like, I know this guy and I know this other person and I know they were connected at this time, therefore. But that's probably not a good way to go about doing it. I'm just not vindictive because the reality of what happened when this ended was I just said, okay, that's it. I'm just going to block him on all the things that you can block someone on. And I just, I'm going to close my eyes and pretend he never existed. And that was easy. That went totally fine for me. Um, but if I were vindictive, <laughs> if I were to review him, I, I started to really think long and hard about what I might, I might've said. So, so you're um, not friends with him. You're not friends with him on Facebook, so you can't even look him up? I can't. I don't. Well, one, I never even thought to before hearing the story. And then once I did, since he, I had blocked him and unfriended him, there's just it's just not an option. Um, and the best part was uh, him discovering during his story that no one had ever actually even looked at his profile, ever. It's just no one cares. Zero people care. Yeah. Yeah, I did actually, uh, I have a, a pending friend request but from someone that I dated. I've actually thought about accepting it just so that I could look up to see if he has Lulu reviews. And then I realized that was totally psychotic. Is it? <laughs> it's like this new toy we've been given. It's like this, um, it's like when you were in a junior high school and there was a notebook with notes that everyone was passing around. It's like this new gossip tool. And I can't help but find it really fun. But I guess like the the problem, I guess, for me in that situation is like, I don't care about this person. I like actively don't care about this person. And like by friending him and looking him up, I'm like making myself care just because the information is available to me. Whereas like I would never seek it out. I would never like go like I don't want to be his friend. I don't want to see him again. Like when I go places that I know that he goes, I'm like, oh, I might see this person. I really don't want to see this person. But for some reason, like because I can like do this in like two stages removed where I'm just like on my phone snooping on his other people that he might have been dating or like review him possibly that like feels different to me because it's like forcing me to look up dirt about somebody who I like really don't actually care about, but just because it's there, I might as well look. The other thing that I like about Lulu is that they have an advice column from a real dude, thankfully. It's the worst, it's the worst. <laughs> I actually, I never write app feedback, but I wrote them app feedback to say, please get rid of dear dude, because it's the worst I've ever read. And also I think it gives you push notifications every time there's a new one and you cannot turn them off. No can't turn them off it's the worst it's horrible and I like the the advice is terrible the questions are also terrible everything about it is terrible um I'm gonna get my phone and uh and and I think it's time we review someone okay <laughs> um I don't think he had dimples Makes me laugh. Yes, I think he's he's pretty a funny guy. Um, okay, so now negative things. I would say that one. Yeah, that's that's right. And no, that's too harsh. <laughs> <laughs> not gonna go all the way. You're not vindictive. <laughs>
This is Why a Why. I'm Andrea Salenzi. You can subscribe to the Why a Why podcast by visiting whyawhyradio.com. That's also where you'll find more information about the music we've featured. And you can sign up for our mailing list. I'll be blasting you with upcoming show topics. A few in the queue right now include how Lulu can make you a better person and how uh, that girl that you met on OkCupid and why you moved to China with her. There's lots of great stuff ahead. So um, subscribe, tell your friends, write me a little review. I'll write you one back. If anyone needs a review on Lulu, I am happy to Facebook friend you and (laughs) review you this week. Special thanks this week to Jenna Weiss-Berman, Mike Sachs, and Mike Noble. You guys are my ears. Thank you. Our podcast artwork is by Listener of the Week, Greg Harrison, at gregcircanow.com. One correction for this week, Hollywood is working on her PhD, not a master's thesis. Also, I want to remind you all that you can listen to Kaylee's show. It's every Friday, 9 a.m. to noon. It's called Beast in the Airwaves, and it's really fun. Uh, So uh, I have one little bit of audio that's going to play before the end of the show, but I hope you stay tuned for Dave Emery, the incredible anti-fascist. This is WFMU. East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, and online at WFMU.org. Yes, it is. Here's here's more from Randy. Bizarro world. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. we agree on this. We We found some common ground here today. And you're part of it, quite frankly on NPR complaining about dudes. I'm not complaining. I'm like yeah, on you a... are. Every week, oh, he didn't do this, he didn't do that. Like, get over it. Just grow up. It's ridiculous. Honestly. Grow up. Play music or something. Play musicals or Okay, I will I as we as we end this segment, I will play whatever song you request here right now. What what would you like okay. to hear? Okay. All right, uh, there's a sucker born every minute from Barnum. Play it.
Hello, my name is Dave Emery, and this is side one of For the Record program number 750, Surveying the Scene with Daniel Hopsicker. This program is being recorded on May 4th of the year 2013. Once again, it is my pleasure and it is my privilege to bring back to our airways Daniel Hopsicker, the author of Welcome to Terrorland, Barry and the Boys, and the editor of the Mad Cow Morning News, what I refer to as the herd shot round the world. Daniel, welcome back once again to our airwaves. Tell us, Daniel, before we get to uh, the latest misadventure of Rudy Decker's, tell us who Rudy Decker's is and who Huffman, what Huffman Aviation is, Wally Hilliard, Mohammed Atta, and the entire imbroglio that you have been investigating. Oh, okay, not to mention the milieu. Exactly, well, the, the milieu. I thought maybe I would... You know, I, I'm going to stop with Rudy Decker's, because because um, that, 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 that's going to be enough, and it's about what I'm on about right now. Sure. Um, we have just had, I, we, I have just watched um, a, a, a second Rudy Decker's um, um, come on the scene, uh, in a big story, and 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 that's the uncle of the uh, alleged bombers in Boston. Well, we're going to get to him later, and, Daniel. I'm going to do the same thing yeah. that Rudy Deckers did, which was to step out in front of the media um, and give basically a daily pronouncement for um, several months after 9/11, which was reported on as news um, worldwide. With no question as with, as to whether he was telling the truth, with no 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 investigation into into who he happened to be, um, um, to be out there, they just reported what Rudy Dickers had to say about 9/11, um, and and that was how we learned who these other people that you just mentioned are, and that was it was a mistake to let him do that, um, you know, and it happened in real time. And, and I, I, I had suspicions about him, but, but I didn't know in real time um, who I later found out he was. I mean, he was a convicted, uh, he had been convicted um, in the Netherlands. He was a fugitive from justice in the Netherlands, um, convicted in an organized crime scheme to steal $30 million. And here's the guy that's telling us who Muhammad Adda is, and he's being buddied up to by um, every network and major um, newspaper. In the U.S., uh, Rudy Deckers is an individual who uh, has spent an awful lot of time on the wrong side of the law. By way of just, and I realize, Daniel, that I am asking the impossible here. Uh, can we briefly sum up how Rudy Deckers, Huffman Aviation, and Wally Hilliard relate to 9/11 and Mohammed Atta? Before we get to the latest. Misadventure of Rudy Deckers. Sure. Um, they were running drugs through Huffman Aviation. Long story short, three weeks before, three weeks after, rather, Mohammed Atta arrived to attend Huffman Aviation. Um, the owner of the, of, of the flight school had his Learjet surrounded by DEA agents on a runway at Orlando Executive Airport, and they found 43 pounds of heroin on board. 43 pounds of heroin, which comes from Afghanistan, um, um, is what's known in the trade, I, I found out later, as heavy weight, meaning 43 pounds of heroin is a heck of a lot of heroin. Nobody comes across it by mistake. 
Um, it's not for personal use. So the clear implication and everything I heard while investigating what was going on there um, led me to believe that there was a drug trafficking operation going on through Huffman Aviation um, that involved Mohammed Atta in one way or another because heroin comes from Afghanistan and in charge of the heroin trade in Afghanistan at that time, it has been reported um, in major newspapers, was Osama bin Laden. Uh, and, and so basically, Rudy Deckers was a, uh, running a, an airline that was quite apparently, uh, he was actually working for Walter Hilliard. This airline was quite obviously being used to bring in drugs. It was being operated with the complicity of elements of the intelligence community, and through this milieu, Mohammed Atta and associates infiltrated the United States. Now, since uh, our listeners have last heard about Rudy Deckers, his professional fortunes have taken a remarkable turn. Uh, just briefly tell us what happened to Rudy Deckers oh, in Houston. I don't want to tell you briefly. I want to dwell on this. Oh, thank right, you. Well, that's, first, that's... Of all, first of all, let me tell you something. Well, let me tell you something that relates to this, okay? Sure. Um, you know, I followed Rudy Deckers after 9-11 um, to the point where, where um, he hated me with passion, wanted to sue me, sue me to hell, he said. Um, he never did because he never could, um, but, but he wanted to. Um, and, and I had enough of an effect, so at the 10-year anniversary of 9-11 when his book came out, um, um, mainstream journalists felt compelled to ask him about sensationalist internet speculation that he knew, you know, he and Muhammad Atta were having dinner two weeks before 9-11, blah, blah, blah. At any rate, um, um, I had tracked Rudy Decker's career after 9-11, and it was replete with um, numerous examples of, of, of serious um, criminal wrongdoing. He would infiltrate, and, and uh, you know, this isn't stuff I made up. People would call me and say, do you know Rudy Decker's is entering the U.S. illegally through the Bahamas, um, um, putting on a pilot's uniform on a, on a general aviation plane. General, general aviation, I have learned, is um, the way to commit any crime you want to commit. Because if you're rich enough to have a $40 million Gulfstream, um, apparently the government thinks that, 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 uh, um, that, that you can do what you want. That, that, that's what, I've, what I found out. Anyway, so I'm tracking Rudy Deckers, and I'm seeing all this criminal stuff, and I'm reporting on it. Then... And I want to bring this up because I haven't talked about this yet, and I, I, I held my tongue long enough. Um, the last major book that came out about 9-11 was written by a guy named Anthony Summers. Quite a good writer. Yes, he is. Um, I, well, wait till you hear. I've always thought quite a good writer. Wrote an excellent book about the Kennedy assassination, did some, did some good work on, on other topics, on uh, J. Edgar Hoover. Anthony Summers spent a month in Venice with me. Not a word of it made it into his book. I would love to have heard his conversation with whoever he was turning in travel reimbursements to at Random House and find out how he justified that. Uh, very briefly, Dan, but do you know who owns Random House? It doesn't matter. Anthony Summers came here in, in, and, and approached me in what he said was good faith and wanted to see what I had. And I showed it to him. And he saw and heard the same things I saw and heard. Sure. He interviewed the same people I interviewed when I could find them. And after any, after every every interview, I would say, "Well, what did they tell you?" Did you know? And it was always they told me, basically, 
exactly what they told you. Okay? Right. He had a uh, meeting with a top-level FBI source on Amanda Keller, well, I'm not his girlfriend, who told him admiringly that the girl never changed her story once. That in two or three days of browbeating, browbeating questioning by the FBI in order to get her to recant that she was a, a, a Muhammad Adis girlfriend, she never changed her story once. Not a word of it made it into his book. Not a word. Now I know what we're up against. Uh, I, I just want to say briefly, Daniel, that it is only too obvious in examining the information that you have brought to light very heroically and this is going to be tough with no lower frontiers self-sacrificingly because you haven't made any money and you've taken a lot of fertilizer over this uh, the people who you have been investigating the milieu if you will have been committing very very serious crimes and yet obviously they have been doing so with the connivance of some very, very powerful people. And uh, I, I will, in, in the written description for the show, I'll ruminate about Bertelsmann. About, yeah, well, Bertelsmann I is, would appreciate it if you would ruminate about Anthony. If you're going to ruminate, ruminate about Anthony Summers. 